Amen. How about that video? I mean, I just feel like running and jumping into the audience, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Lift your hearts to the Lord. Father, thank you so much for this day. I pray, Father, that our hearts today are pliable and that your word, God, would enter and bring fruit in our lives, God. Cause us all to dream Enlarge, God, our capacity to serve and to glorify you. Bless the pastor in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I was, um, this week, I was in Houston. I got to uh, go down to Houston. I was asked to speak at a conference down there. And I thought that I was going to be speaking to a group of about 150 pastors. Um, and I actually thought that that was what I was going to be doing even the night that I was going to be speaking. This is a huge church, several thousand people. Um, but I thought we were coming in for a special meeting to talk to a few, you know, a few pastors. And I come walking into the auditorium, and the, there were some other men that were also speaking that night. We came walking in, and the place was absolutely packed. There were, like, thousands of people in this auditorium. And I was like... Oh, I should actually review my notes just to make sure this is applicable. Um, it was an awesome experience. It was a ton of fun. I learned a lot. I met a lot of great people. But I got to tell you, the entire time I'm thinking about, talking about, showing off pictures of, I've, like, I've got my phone out. I'm showing pictures of U City Family Church. I'm like showing them our Facebook page. Like, people were, I was that guy. I was, I was that pastor uh, who was annoying. In fact, I was inviting people to move to St. Louis to join our church. At one point, I'm standing talking to three baggage handlers, and I'm handing them my business card. And I'm like, no, seriously, guys, you should consider relocating. Uh, Houston's great and everything, but you would love our church. So um, I missed you guys. I I love this church. I love what God is doing in this church. I love what is happening in our midst, in the congregation. People are getting inspired. They're finding their dream. They're finding their vision. They're finding what God has called them to do and be. uh, And it's awesome. I'll give you a quick example. Yeah. Um, This week, uh, Dawn and Earl Moses, uh, or last week, touched base with me and they said, you know, we have a real passion for the young men that Earl uh, coaches. Uh, He coaches for McClure football, high school football. Uh, And all these young guys are from Ferguson. And, you know, they've been through a ton uh, in the last few months. And he, they, they've got a passion for these guys. They, they uh, you know, they buy stuff for them out of their own pocket. And they said, what if we, like, as a church got together and did something? So we started brainstorming. We ended up doing a team breakfast on Saturday, yesterday. This is, this is us having breakfast with the, with the McClure Comets. All these young guys from Ferguson just seeing some folks come in and say, we love you guys. We're thinking about you. Our hearts are with you. If we can just reach out a little bit and just heal a little bit of the brokenness in our land and in our community, we want to be a part of that. So Earl and Don Moses, awesome job. Thank you. Now, if McClure plays Pattonville, we're going to have to draw the line because I can't be going against the Pirates. So... Um, <laughs> Um, so today, I, as part of our Dare to Dream series, I'm going to just sort of lay out for you 
what I believe God is calling us to dare to dream as a community, as a church. Where is God calling us? Where is he taking us? Where are we headed? So if you're new here or you're a visitor, this is not our normal kind of service. Uh, You get a chance to sort of open the hood of U City Family Church, look down at the engine, see how it runs. Um, You're going to kind of see what what we are as a church, what our mission is, what our vision is, and where we're headed. Um, So I invite you to sort of just hang back and enjoy and watch that. Let me start today by asking, I'm going to ask two questions. First question I want to ask is, what is your personal mission statement? Your personal mission statement. You may want to write this down. You don't need to write out your personal mission statement today, but think about a mission statement is basically a statement that says, why am I here? Companies, organizations, schools, government bodies, you know, nonprofit corporations, they all have mission statements. And the mission statement says, what is the purpose of the existence of this person or this organization? What is your mission statement? Why are you here? Why did God create you? Um, If you want to simplify this, you can sort of ask yourself, what is my superpower, right? That's what my four-year-old does. James, uh, not James and Lincoln is obsessed with everybody's super, superpowers. The other day in the car, from the back seat, he pipes up and he says, I know what mom's superpower is. It's telling daddy whether he's right or not. And I was like, actually, that's, that's pretty close. Um, <laughs> um, so, so what is your personal mission statement? And the second question that I have for you is related. What is your personal vision statement? And a vision statement is slightly different from a personal statement, uh, from a mission statement in that a vision statement says, what am I becoming? Where are, am I headed? What is the trajectory of the life that I'm living? Um, and again, every company, business, church, school needs to have a mission statement so that they know where they're going. Um, if you don't have a clear purpose, if you don't have a clear goal, uh, then you don't know where to go. You don't know where to turn. Um, I, I had, for many years, on a personal level, struggled with these questions in my own life. Uh, I felt as a young man that God had called me to go into ministry, but I didn't want to. I was rebelling against that. And so for many years, I, I, was, I was adrift. Uh, I didn't have a clear sense of mission. I didn't have a clear sense of purpose. I didn't have a clear trajectory for my life. And so it, for years, it hampered my ability to achieve what God really wanted me to achieve. I didn't have a clear destination, so I didn't really know which direction to go. You know, if, you're, if you've got your GPS on your phone, right, you can see where you're going, but if you don't have that little red flag pinned down somewhere, you don't know whether you should turn right or left or go up or down or wherever. You've got to have a clear destination. If, if that sort of uh, adriftness, that sort of uncertainty describes your life today and you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I don't actually have a real clear sense of where God wants me to go or who he wants me to be. I want to tell you today, I want to encourage you with this. God wants to change that for you. God wants to give you a clear sense of mission and purpose and direction for your life. One of the most inspiring passages of the Bible for me is when Jesus launches his public ministry for the first time. He, he goes to a synagogue and steps into the synagogue. He's 30 years old at this point. 
He's, he's, he's just now starting his public ministry, and he's going to proclaim to the whole world what his mission is and what his vision is. He walks into the synagogue. The rabbi hands him the scroll and says, why don't you read a passage? Jesus takes the scroll, unrolls it, and this is what he reads. He reads from the prophet Isaiah, and th- these are the words that he reads. Isaiah 61, he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor or to the meek. He sent me to bind up or to heal the brokenhearted. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. This is Jesus' mission statement. To the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. He sent me to comfort all who mourn. To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Why? Why am I giving these things to these people? So that they might be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. In other words, so that they might be strong. That they might be built up. Why? That God might be glorified. God is glorified. It brings God glory and honor and pleasure when we are transformed by his love. And then we take that transformation, that transformation that's happened in our life, and we extend that to others, and we build them up and strengthen them and empower them. That is what brings glory to God. That's the mission. That's the vision. Jesus is saying in this moment, actually, when he finished reading that, he rolled up the scroll, he set it down, and he said to all of the people in the synagogue, he said, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. He said, in other words, I'm the guy that Isaiah was writing about 800 years ago. This passage that was written, I'm the guy that it's written about. This is my mission. This is my purpose. And then, of course, we know that for the next three years, that's what he did. He went around uh, uh, Nazareth and, and, and Galilee and transformed people's lives. He healed people who were, were sick. He broke down cultural, racial, ethnic barriers between people. He reached out and and freed people from their slavery. He forgave people that were trapped in their own sin. He liberated those who were bound up. And then, here's the fascinating part. Three years he did that. And then towards the end of of his ministry, he says something to his followers that is absolutely spine-chilling, all right? This should be a, something that just sort of rolls around in your head for the next you know, year. This is what he says to his followers. He says, whoever believes in me will do the things that I've been doing, and they're going to do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. So what I've been doing, my mission statement is going to be your mission statement. My vision statement is going to be your vision statement. The life that I'm living, Jesus said, is going to be the life that you're living, and you're going to do the things that I was doing, and you're even going to do greater things. And so you and I sit there and we go, man, um, (laughs) how are we going to do that? Um, How are we going to do greater things than Jesus did? How are we going to heal the brokenhearted? How are we going to free people who are enslaved? How are we going to bring comfort and beauty and joy and empowerment and encouragement and inspiration to people? How can I do that, right? You may be asking that of yourself. And the answer that Jesus gives is is fascinating because he says you're not doing it individually. 
You're doing it collectively. You together, as a body of believers, are going to become Christ on the earth. No single one of you can do anything even remotely close necessarily to what Jesus did. But as a body, as a corporate body, we are going to become, those who believe in Jesus, we are going to become Christ in skin to our community. We're going to bring hope and healing and encouragement and empowerment and freedom and liberty to our world together. That's how we do it. We become Jesus in skin to our world. And so today, I'm going to go through what U City Family Church, what our mission is and what our vision is as a congregation, as a community. Um, Let me start just by reading our mission statement, all right? This is our church's mission statement. It says, U City Family Church exists to engage the minds, encourage the hearts, and empower the hands of men, women, and children from every tribe, tongue, and nation with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. That's good, right? We ought to memorize that. We ought to memorize that. I'm going to get like a... um, Cracker Jack's tattoo and put that on my shoulder. Um, No, I'm actually not going to do that. Uh, Retract that. Strike that from the record, Sean. Thank you. Um, This is is our mission. Let me unpack it just a little bit. What what does it mean to engage minds? What it means is this. At U-City Family Church, we value the life of the mind. We value people being able to ask tough questions, difficult questions, about life, about themselves, about the world. We do not shy away from that. Um, there are churches that have sort of an anti-intellectual bent where, they, where if you ask a question or you have something on your mind you're not sure about, you kind of get shut down. That's not us, okay? We want to, Jesus said, or the Bible says, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, right? Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So we are all about the opportunity for people to engage deeply in the questions that trouble them. Um, In fact, my personal belief is that Christians should be at the forefront of maths and science and philosophy and art and music and archaeology. I I, I believe that Christians ought to be the head, not the tail. We should not be, yeah, we should not be, we should not be sort of bringing up the rear, right? We should be at the forefront, challenging, pushing, because God created this, and we're pursuing him, and his truth is our truth. So we encourage people to, to engage, be engaged intellectually here at U-City Family Church. That's important. Encouraging hearts, what does that mean? That means that we are a place of healing, not condemnation. That means we are a place of restoration, not rejection. We're a place of hope, not despair and despondency. If you come here hurting and broken and struggling, we're going to say, welcome to you. Welcome to the hospital of your soul. Come and meet the good physician. We're glad you're here, right? We're not going to beat up on those who are hurting and struggling. We're going to bring them in and help to bring restoration and healing. That's what that means. Empowering hands. This means that we are outwardly focused, okay? That, this means that Our goal, when you've come in and you've gotten healed and redeemed and restored, we want to help you discover what God has called you to do and what what he's called you to be. We want to help you discover that so that you can live out your mission 
here in this congregation and in the community at large. Right? So we are outward looking. We, wanna, we always want to be pursuing the, the building up of our community and the building up of our city and the transformation of our world. Right? Empowering hands. You with me? We don't care as much about where you are from or where you are now. We're very interested in where God can take you and where you can go by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen? I, I heard a story about Craig Wagner, and I've got to tell it. Craig Wagner uh, was a pastor for 20 years, and he, he's writing down notes right now. He's going to get me back somehow, or I can see this. Equal time. Um, <laughs> he, he, he was a pastor, and he was performing a, a funeral, officiating a funeral, and the, the funeral happened, and then the family went out to the graveside. And they're at the graveside. It's a, obviously a very solemn occasion. People are around um, the, the, the hole there where they're going to lower the casket. But the guy driving the hearse with the deceased in the hearse uh, got out of the hearse, shut the door, and inadvertently locked the keys and the deceased in the hearse while the family is standing there, you know, 100 yards away waiting to bury their loved one. Um, this is an awkward moment for anyone. Uh, Craig, Craig, you know, turns to a couple guys and says, hey, does anybody have a coat hanger? I think I can get this thing handled. So somebody gets a coat hanger for Craig Wagner. This is a true story. Somebody gets a coat hanger for Craig Wagner. He jimmies that coat hanger down in the lock. He's got the pallbearer sort of blocking, you know, like, you know, the rest of the family so that this, you know, very awkward looking moment isn't seen by everyone. He's jimmying the lock. Finally, he pops the lock, and one of the guys, one of the pallbearers says, the, the, pastor, the, the pastor is jimmying the lock, right? And the funeral director turns to him and says, he wasn't always a pastor, okay? <laughs> so we don't, con- we don't care where you're coming from, all right? We want to know where you're going. <laughs> every every tribe, tribe, tongue, and nation, what does that mean? That means this is for everybody. I'm going to get more into that in a moment. Um, With the life-changing message of Jesus, uh, what that means is, we ask, what does that mean? What is the message that we are promoting here? What is the message that we're sending out? Is it that if you line up and live perfectly, God will accept you? If you, you know, if you act right, God will not smash you? That is not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is absolutely revolutionary. And let me just, uh, there's a pastor um, in uh, South Carolina, a guy named Derwin L. Gray, and I loved, I heard him say this a few weeks ago, or maybe a couple months ago, and I grabbed it because it was just awesome the way he described the gospel, and here's how he describes it. The, 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 good, the, the good news, the message is this, that Jesus, the Messiah, has accomplished what he said he would, that he would redeem humanity, ascend to his throne, And now, through grace, unleash a new kind of people who are indwelt by him, by the Spirit's power, to colonize earth and invite others into his kingdom. This gives me chills. This is a much broader, more beautiful image of the gospel than maybe, you know, you're you're used to hearing. But what it means is that the Messiah, the Lord, has come and he has put his Spirit in us so that we can become him on the earth, so that we can invite people into what it means to live in the kingdom of God. 
That is our job. That's our role. We are emissaries. We're witnesses. We're messengers. There's a great, um, another description by a guy named Hugh Thompson Kerr, and I put this in your bulletin. Let me just read it to you because I, I find it really inspiring. He says, we are not sent to preach sociology but salvation. Not economics, but evangelism. Not reform, but redemption. Not culture, but conversion. Not progress, but pardon. Not a new social order, but a new birth. Not revolution, but regeneration. Not renovation, but revival. Not resuscitation, but resurrection. Not a new organization, but a new creation. Not democracy, but the gospel. Not civilization, but Christ. He says we are ambassadors, not diplomats. We are called to change the world as a body, as a body of believers, as a family, as a community. That's what we are called to do and be, right? So that's our mission. What is our vision? How do we see ourselves? Where are we headed? What's our trajectory? Let me read you our vision statement. You guys are getting, we're getting in the deep stuff, right? We're in the, we're in the weeds, here today. So welcome for those of you who are just checking it out. You're getting to see the, you know, like I said, you're getting to see the the depth. Um, Vision statement. We are a multi-ethnic, multi-generational, vibrant, and growing community of Jesus followers who are experiencing the transforming power of God's love in our own lives and who in turn are transforming our city, our country, and our world through the love of Christ and the power of his spirit. That's our vision. That's how we see ourselves. That's where we're headed. That's where we're going. That's who we are. What does that mean? Multi-ethnic, what does that mean? That means if you look around you, you are going to see people from different walks of life, different ethnicities, different races. That's who we are and that's what we're about. And let me just tell you, that is extremely rare in American churches. That's extremely rare around the globe. In fact, 97.5% of Christian churches are essentially segregated along racial lines. Reverend Martin Luther King said Sunday morning is the most segregated time in America. That is not the vision that Jesus has for his church. That's just not his vision. Um, Why do we care about this idea of multi-ethnic? There are about a dozen or so reasons. I'm going to give you three. Number one, because Jesus cared about a multi-ethnic church. Jesus went out of his way, and I'm going to give you some examples, to crush racial and ethnic stereotypes and to crush the racial animosity that existed among his people and the people that lived in the surrounding region. The longest recorded conversation that Jesus had with anybody in the Bible, the very longest one in the whole Bible recorded was a conversation that he had with a woman by a well who was a Samaritan. I can't overstate the animosity that existed at that time, racial, religious, and otherwise, between Jews and Samaritans. I can't overstate it. It was bad. It was extremely bad to the extent that people would would go on the other side of the Jordan and travel up. They would add three or four days to their journey if they were going to like Nazareth or or Bethlehem or whatever to avoid even getting the dust of Samaria on their feet. It was bad, all right? So one example. He didn't do that, by the way, on accident. 
That's not in there by accident. Oh, by the way, it was a Samaritan woman. No, there was a purpose behind that. When he told the story of the parable of uh, the person who helped, you know, a man who had been robbed, he made a very, very interesting narrative choice. He called this guy the good the, the good Samaritan, right? Could have been a good Jew, could have been a good whatever. But he made a point to say, hey, by the way, the people that you're struggling with, the people that, you know, you, you may not like, that's who I'm talking about, right? So, so he's making a point to just get in people's faces with this issue. Um, the guy who carried Jesus' cross, right? Why does the Bible say it's Simon of Cyrene? Why don't they just say a guy carried the cross, Right? Cyrene is a city in northern Africa. So the the scripture is making a point to tell us that a a man from Africa came and carried Jesus' cross. It's making a point, and it's not accidental that it's making that point. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and in the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus envisioned a multi-ethnic church. That's the church that he envisioned for his people. That's the church he wanted us to build, so that's the church we're going to build. Amen? Um, A second reason is that the early church was also a multi-ethnic church and on purpose. Uh, That's what made it revolutionary because the early church, there were Greeks, Jews, Romans, Africans, Samaritans, Spaniards, Europeans of every variety. It was absolutely revolutionary, and that's one of the things that caused people to take a second look at the church, because they said, now wait a minute, that doesn't seem plausible. Why are those people doing that, right? And, and people came to the church. Luke goes out of his way to talk about the Ethiopian who came up, got the gospel, and took it back down to Ethiopia. Galatians, when there was a moment in, in the church of some ethnic tension, Paul writes to the church, listen guys, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, there's no slave, no free, there's no male nor female. He says you're all one in Christ Jesus. Amen? So this isn't like a pet project or like a fad or something neat. This is like implicit in what it means to be the church. Uh, The world needs, and this is the third reason, the world needs, and specifically our city needs, to see multi-ethnic churches. Our city needs to understand, the world needs to see that there is a way to heal the issues that plague our nation and have for hundreds of years. And that solution is by identifying deeply and completely and wholly with Jesus Christ. And that that identity is more important than our racial identity, our sexual identity, our political identity, our class identity, our school identity, our socioeconomic identity, our neighborhood identity. Identifying with Christ trumps everything. And we become one in Christ. Multigenerational. Multigenerational just means that we are not a demographically narrow church. We honor and respect our elders. We gain from them wisdom. We, we gently rib them from time to time. Right, Craig? Um, and we, we, we also are honoring and training and leading and developing our youth. Teenagers, junior hires, we love you. We value you here. We want to we lead you and we want to train you into what it means to be a, a follower of Jesus as an adult. We don't want to be a church where you get up to 18, you go off to college, and you're out. 
We don't want to be that church. If we're, if we're here for the long haul to transform our world and transform our community, that means we need to be loving on these kids, taking care of them, training them, leading them, showing them the way, living as examples to them. Otherwise, they're going to fly the coop at 20, and, you know, and then it's like God knows what's going to happen to them before they finally come back and, and land. I don't want that for our church. So we are uh, multi-generational. We are transformed and transformational. What that means is that we allow the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts, heal us, uh, strengthen us, change us, and then in turn, we take that out to others, right? We don't just enjoy it for ourselves and hang out and it turns into a social club. It, it, you know, the churches that turn inward, you can see them. They're, di- they're dying or they're dead. We're not, that's not us. We are a vibrant and growing church, meaning that we don't, we don't, we're not navel gazers. We're not going to look in and just, what are we all about? No, we're, we're taking what we're about to open it up and, and, and give it to the world. Okay. You with me? Everybody with me? We good? Um, that is our vision. That's where our church is headed. How do we put this into practice? Right. We are a three year old church. Uh, and now, what are some of the practical steps that we need to take and that we're going to take um, for a long-term, to, to fulfill this sort of long-term mission and vision of our church? Um, I'm going to do something kind of unique right now. I want to invite up our outgoing trustees. There are trustees that have been with us for three years. And I don't mean outgoing like they're just like, hey. Um, <laughs> um, Ed Whalen and Liz Chrisman, would you guys come up here? And also, I, I would like to invite up our incoming trustees, our incoming trustees. If you are one of our new trustees, Kevin, is Kirk here? Uh, Kirk is not here today. Uh, Carol, Craig, Allison. Oh, there's Kirk. Um, welcome. Welcome, guys. Come on up. Come on up here. You guys look good. <laughs> Ed, you are outgoing. Liz, you're outgoing too. Um, I cannot, I'm going to first just talk about Liz and Ed. Liz and Ed have been our trustees for three years. They were trustees when there was nothing to trustee. Um, <laughs> we had nothing to entrust you with, but you were still entrusted, entrustable, whatever. Um, they, they came on board at U-City Family Church before we launched, uh, and it's been under their guidance and their direction and their care that this church has been able to blossom and, and grow the way it has in terms of the operations and the way it's run financially and in that whole area. They have been absolutely incredible. In fact, in fact, amen. When... When I, when Rebecca and I, I remember this clear as a bell, when we first met, I went downtown and had lunch with Liz. I was working at a law firm down there, and you were, she was working down there too, and we got together, and I was like working up the, like the courage to ask Liz if she would be possibly interested in being a part of launching U City Family Church. And so, you know, we're having this lunch, and I'm, like, thinking, like, what's the smoothest way to just, like, put that out there, you know? Um, and we sit down, Liz, Rebecca, and I, and Liz says, hey, I just want you to know, I, I'm kind of doing a, a Liz impersonation there for just a second, wasn't I? It was good. <laughs> just want you to know um, that, <laughs> that um, 
I want to be a part of uh, City Family Church. I want to help you guys launch this church. And I was just like, done, check, let's get out of here before she changes her mind. She has been an absolute, like the work that she has done behind the scenes, she has been an engine driving so much of what has happened here at City Family Church. And we absolutely love her and honor her today. Liz, you've been amazing. And Ed's been okay too. Amen. No, no, I'm just joking. Ed, Ed is, a, is, an, is an engineer at Boeing, rocket scientist. And I'm going to miss saying that, man. I'm going to really miss saying one of our trustees, our treasurer, is a rocket scientist. So if anybody else wants to do some engineering, um, Ed uh, has an amazing grasp of detail. He's very focused. His heart has always been uh, to what is the best for the church. Um, his wisdom and his insight in all of these areas have, 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 been, have been amazing. And he has, um, as our treasurer, as our church treasurer, he has really, and I'm going to tell you some details in a moment, but he has really helped to lead the way to uh, creating a, a, an environment that is vibrant and healthy from an operational standpoint. He has been absolutely amazing. Ed, thank you so much for your service to this church. In fact, we've asked Ed and Liz, we keep saying, okay, this will be your last trustee meeting. This will be your last trustee meeting. This will be, and we've been at our last trustee meeting, we said, can you guys please just come to one more? Just, there's one more. Um, these, these are very small tokens of our appreciation for all that you guys have done. Thank you so much, man. Um, and let me then briefly introduce you to our incoming trustees. Um, these guys are also amazing, and I won't, I won't go into long uh, bios on all of them, but I could. Kevin Cahill is, uh, is now our new church sec- uh, treasurer, um, and he is amazing. He's an executive. He just took a, a new position. Brilliant guy, and, and Kevin and I um, live about five houses down from each other, and um, so we would see each other in the neighborhood and just be like, oh, hey, hey, how you doing, you know? Um, and then he and Jay saw a, p- a flyer for our church, and I-, I actually remember the very first time you were here, I was preaching away, and I look up, and I'm like, my neighbor's here! <laughs> awesome! Um, God is doing amazing things in his life, and we're extremely grateful for his service. Awesome, Kevin. <laughs> Allison Schaefer is uh, uh, on InterVarsity. Um, and you also are doing a, a new, you've also just taken a new position at Washu, SLU, no, Webster, another place, Umsol, a university of some kind. Um, uh, but a- Allison has been amazing. Allison, in fact, was, is, is very good friends with Hitomi. Um, she has been incredibly helpful just in reaching out to people. A lot of people that come to our church now are here as a result of Allison reaching out to them. Um, and I'm excited to have her creativity and her thoughts and her input as one of our trustees. So she's very great, and we're so grateful to have you. Thank you, Allison. Carol Cloud really needs no introduction to those of you who know her. Carol is like a get-it-done, make-it-happen kind of person. Um, and, I, I mean, C- Carol, Carol at one point just, you know, said, hey, how can I help, you know, in terms of organization and getting the church, you know, operationally going. And so we sat down, we for like probably met once a week or something for a couple months 
And man, the, the structures that you guys see around here, the things that actually that you don't see, but you just experience, um, Carol has been largely responsible for putting so many, so many of those things together. She's going to be an awesome, awesome asset uh, to our trustee board, and we're so grateful for you, Carol. <laughs> Kirk Williams is, uh, Kirk is an amazing guy. Kirk and I met um, because Kirk and I both used to ride the subway downtown, the metro downtown, and Kirk always dresses like this, okay? <laughs> and Kirk and I would get off at the same metro stop, and we would walk up the same street, go into the same building, get into the same elevator. I would get off at 32, and he would keep going. And finally, after about a year of this, I just said, dude, who are you? Do you, like, own this building? Like, what, what is your deal? Um, <laughs> and um, <laughs> that's exactly what I said. I was just like, uh, uh, and he's at, at uh, Wells Fargo. Um, and he's just an amazing guy. He heads up our mentoring program. He's our finance team leader. Uh, he does a ton of work in the community. He's a deeply committed Christian and father and husband, and we're so grateful to have you as a trustee. It's awesome. Man, I'm, I'm worried about Craig now because I've been like... <laughs> Craig is here in case of a tie. Um, Craig Wagner brings a wealth of experience from a ministry standpoint. He's been a pastor uh, for 20 years in various different groups and, uh, and organizations. He's now a business owner. He's got a, a great grasp on what it means to, to need to, you know, to, to run a church. Um, and so we're extremely grateful to have him on board. He's, uh, he's done some leadership training uh, for us. In fact, one of the very first, um, one of the very first events that we had here was an event that uh, Craig ran. It was called Build a Bike. And did, were, were any of you guys do, in that? Yeah, a bunch of you. Um, that was like, I just remember coming home from that and going, wow, I think this church is going to make it. Like, um, you know, people were hanging out together and working together, and it was incredible. And so we're so grateful for your leadership, man, and what you bring to the table, Craig. So praise God. Don't leave yet, guys. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just sort of close out with a, with a couple points that I wanted to share from all of us. We have been talking um, over the last few months about, you know, what direction do we go? How do we operationally move forward as a church? Um, our attendance has grown by a, a little over 40% in the last year. Um, people are coming, and they're not just coming and hanging out. They're coming and getting involved, and their lives are being transformed, and they're, they're serving in amazing ways. God is using them, uh, and this church is, is growing in a really healthy and powerful way. Um, our children's ministry is, like, busting at the seams out there. Um, uh, you know, they've, they've kind of moved things around, but we've got uh, some dividers, you know, out there. Um, but we're growing. And so what we have been thinking about and praying about is we need to start planning and preparing for the future. We don't have any definitive, like, here's our timeline. Like, are we going to move to a different location? Maybe God blesses us and we get to buy the Tivoli. Um, (laughs) Joe Edwards, if you're listening, um, move on his heart, Lord. Uh, But we do need to start thinking about preparing and planning for whatever opportunity comes our way down the road. Um, I'm going to tell you a couple quick little stats that I think are going to blow your mind. Um, We, you know, we're a three-year-old church. 
about 85% of church plants, churches that launch like we do, um, about 85% of them are no longer around within five years. Most of them never become um, self-sustaining, meaning that they never, they never actually are able to sustain themselves as a church from a financial standpoint. Our church became self-sustaining at the end of two years, completely and totally self-sustaining. Uh, by the, it's actually always been self-sustaining, but that's partly because I was working as a lawyer downtown. Um, but, um, <laughs> but I mean legitimately self-sustaining um, in a way that's sustainable. Uh, uh, and, and so we, um, we have not only been able to operate and grow within the church, um, but under the careful lead of our trustees and because of your generosity, we have been able to actually set aside a fund, which we're calling a Dare to Dream fund. It's basically a, a low-interest savings fund, and we've, a, we've been able to put $125,000 in that fund set aside for when an opportunity arises. Isn't that awesome? I don't, I, I don't know how many of you have ever been involved in a church plant before, but that's, like, bizarre. That's, like, crazy time. Um, and, you know, and I just think it's a testament to what God is doing, to your generosity, and to the care with which you are being served by your trustees. Um, and so uh, I want us to begin to dare to dream about what God may have for us. Uh, what kind of a place can we have that maybe we could be we could have it all week long. We could do ministry there. We could do training there. We can have groups come in. We can do community outreach from there. And like I said, we don't have any place in place, or, you know, in, in exactly in mind, but we want to start planning for that. And here's how we need to do it. We need to do it a couple different ways. One is we all need to be praying about this as a family, as a church. God lead us. God guide us. Uh, what's our timeline, God? Maybe we're here for a year. Maybe we're here for six months. Maybe we're here, you know, two years. We don't know. But God, guide us and lead us and direct us as to where we land for a permanent home as a congregation, right? Another thing that we need to do is we need to begin and continue giving towards that purpose. Um, so we are setting uh, aside, we've got this fund set aside, and I want to encourage you, not our visitors, not our guests. Like I said, you're getting a look under the hood. But if you are a member of this church, this is your church home, I want you to prayerfully consider, and not just consider, I want you to prayerfully give towards this Dare to Dream fund. Um, I, I, I just feel like if we, you know, you, you've been around me for three years. I am not a hard pitch kind of guy. I'm never going to be up here saying, gosh, we got to do this. I'm never going to be using the emotive and manipulative techniques that you may have heard other places. I don't do that. What we do is we very carefully, we sacrificially, and we generously give to the mission and the vision of Christ Church. That's what we do. Uh, if this is your church home, I want to encourage you to do that. We have a, um, in your uh, bulletin, if you have one of these little envelopes, uh, a giving card. And in the giving card, you can see there is a place that says tithes and offerings. And then there's a place that says DTD. Delta Tom Delta. That means dare to dream. Um, if you want to give over and above your tithes and offerings towards this long-term mission and vision of the church, uh, I want to invite you to do that. When you're giving, just you know, put however much you want to go into that fund, and we'll just sort of slowly keep building that fund. Um, like I said, we don't, we, we don't have the thermometer 
that says, you know, oh, 20,000, 30, 50. We, we're, just, we're just opening this up to you because we just feel like it's important to do this. Um, and incrementally over time, we pray about, we think about, and we give towards this fund. Um, and then third, we have a small building search team that we've developed. Um, why don't the rest, our building search team, why don't you guys come up too? Who else is on our building search team? Come on up. Um, the Kleins, the Bennetts, um, Dave Chrisman, and then um, Carol and David are on our building search team. Um, come on up, guys. And, and uh, Liz. and So our building search team, yeah, come on up here, David. Um, what they are doing is they are praying about uh, and looking around and doing due diligence and just thinking about what God may have for us. Um, what I would say is that we have a really amazing, I'm talking long, aren't I? We have a really amazing situation here. Um, we have amazing parking. We have an awesome auditorium. We have extremely low overhead. Uh, and we have just a great environment. Um, some of our challenges are, you know, the children's ministry and having sort of a permanent home to do ministry in the community on a day-to-day basis. Um, so that's what we're doing, guys. That is kind of the direction and vision that we are going, and we want to invite each and every one of you to be a part of that, to participate in that through prayer, through, through giving, through discussions with our trustees uh, and with our search team. We just want you to come and participate with that. Um, I had, uh, and I'm going to close with this. The other day, I'm in bed. It's like 6 in the morning, maybe 5.30. I feel a tap on my shoulder. Uh, I take off my eye mask and my earplugs. Um, it's Jameson. And Jameson says, Dad, do you know what the difference between create and make is? And I'm like, <laughs> um, no, son, at 530, what is the difference between create and make? And he says, create is when there's nothing and then there's something. He said, make is when someone puts things together that are already there and turns them into something new. I said, I think I'm going to have to go make some coffee and think about this. But what I loved about that is that God created the world and then he populated it with us to build a kingdom that would bring him glory and honor. And that's what we are doing here at U City Family Church. Little by little, we are making a world that will bring honor and glory to our Lord and Savior, to our God. And I want to invite every single one of you to do that, to dare to dream of a world that's better and greater than the world as it is right now. Together, collectively, we become Jesus and skin, and we live out this mission that God has called us to live out. We are a growing, vibrant community of men, women, and children from every tribe and tongue who are reaching out with the gospel of Jesus Christ and transforming our world little by little. I want to be a part of that vision. How about you? Amen? Amen. Now you understand why I'm pitching St. Louis to the baggage handlers in Houston. Come and be a part of this. Thank you guys for, for just taking the time to listen and, and hear what, what this whole thing is about. 
Um, always please feel free to reach out to me or to our trustees uh, about these kinds of questions and about these kinds of issues, anything you want to know or learn more about. Um, I just want to invite you to all be a part of what we're doing here at U City Family Church because I believe that our kids and our grandkids and their grandkids and their grandkids are going to be a part of something absolutely amazing and transformational, not only in this city, but in our world as a result of what we're doing right here and right now today. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. We thank you, God, for your mercy. We thank you for your love. We thank you, God, for the vision and the dream that you have for us. Uh, We thank you, God, that you see a picture that's bigger than any picture that we can see. We thank you, God, that you've called us to be your ambassadors, to transform the world through your love and to do it in ways, God, that is absolutely revolutionary. God, we ask right now that you, that you impute your strength, you pour your love, your mercy, your grace, and your power into us. Change us incrementally, Lord, little by little. Help us to become the men and women and children you've called us to be, God, so that we can walk out into our workplace, into our schools, into our communities, uh, into, into our streets, God, and bring peace and love and justice and healing to a world, God, that desperately needs you. We thank you so much for what you've already done and what you're continuing to do. Father, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. We give you all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.